Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, we are officially a week away from the NFL draft uh, with not much going on in the sports world. Uh, I'm sure everyone is going to be thrilled to watch that one unfold. It'll probably be pretty interesting, obviously. The you know They're going to do it virtually. Uh, I imagine they'll have some snafus in there that we'll get a chance to you know kind of laugh at. But uh, Blake, I wanted to talk about Florida's guys. And obviously the Gators have a lot. Uh, one of the things that, that kind of stands out to me about this draft class for Florida and really, I would say in the last couple of years is that there's a lot of names. I mean, we were talking about it before the show. We're, we're going to talk about 10 different guys uh, that we think maybe have the potential to be drafted. Florida had eight guys at the NFL Combine this year. That's the third time in the last four years they've had that many guys. So, uh, Blake, I guess first off, before we really start diving into each of these players, uh, what's your thoughts on, on just the overall state of the Florida program when it comes to producing NFL talent right now? You know, I think it's certainly starting to pick up. I think you're starting to see a lot of these guys that are uh, a little bit more representative of the NFL draft and the NFL combine. I think you're starting to get kind of back to the years where, you know, Florida was really churning these guys out. You know, that some, you know, even you can go back to the Muschamp years to where, you know, yeah, the offense wasn't there, but I mean, they still had some guys that found a way into the league and some guys that are still on rosters today. So, uh, you know, I think there's some uptick. I, I know we had a a podcast episode a while back when the the combine was going on. And I think that one of the biggest things to me is that these guys are putting a little bit better numbers up in the, you know, in these combines, you know, definitely mm-hmm. in the weight room, you know, just, you know, doing the bench press and things like that. So I think Florida is becoming, you know, it's hard to say more of a household name because obviously the last decade has been very good through the draft, but I think you're maybe a little bit after a little bit of a lull somewhere in that last decade uh, where there was a little bit of drop off. I think you're starting to see things starting to pick back up. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, when you talk about numbers and, and you know, the, the work that these guys did at the Combine this year's group, I, I think you have to start with C.J. Henderson. You know, he's the guy that really tore it up at the Combine, you know, ran a 4 3 um, Blake, at this point, it, it sure sounds like Henderson might be a top 10 pick. Yeah, it seems like, you know, at least just from kind of reading things and um, just kind of looking around, it certainly seems like, you know, there's even some talk of teams – like the Atlanta Falcons has been linked to him a lot. It just, you know, even there's been rumors now of them possibly trading up to get him. So I think, um, I, I think that it's, it's, it's becoming more and more obvious that he's moving up draft boards. You know, you look at, uh, you know, just some of the other cornerbacks that are out there in this draft class. I mean, I think that CJ is, is started to submit himself easily. If not the top guy, the top cornerback, at least, you know, he's certainly one of the top two 
two, three? Yeah, I think I think consensus is top two. You know, Ohio State's Jeff Okuda is, is the other guy. I think I'm saying that right. Yes. Um, but he, you know, him and CJ are the two that everybody's kind of circled as the top two cornerbacks in the, in the class. And depending on who you talk to, um, you know, that some people are starting to say that scouts view Henderson as, you know, maybe the best one out of the group. And uh, I think, you know, when you talk about his athletic potential, you obviously see it. I think for a lot of Florida fans, you know, I've heard some some blowback from Florida fans about, well, he didn't really play that play that well this season and he got hurt. Uh, you have to remember, this is a guy that missed three games to a high ankle sprain and then came back and played, you know, on a on a not 100 percent ankle. So I, I think you could easily have scouts convincing themselves that, you know, his tape from junior year is not a big deal, um, that his athletic numbers are enough to to kind of take a chance on him. I mean, he, he's got length you just don't get for a guy with that kind of speed and in recovery speed downfield. So uh, obviously, I think he's the guy that probably comes off the board first for Florida and um, looking at him, I, I like him better as a prospect than a lot of these other cornerbacks that have come out of Florida in recent years. You know, you talk about Vernon Hargreaves. He was a guy that we always, I, I thought was, you know, pretty polished at the college level and, and maybe didn't have quite the NFL upside. Um, you know, some of that's probably revisionist history, obviously, um, you know, seeing how he's, he's done. I mean, he certainly hasn't been bad in the NFL, but cert- he's not, he hasn't probably put together that first round production you would have expected. Uh, Jalen Tabor, you know, another guy that he wasn't a first round guy, but was was pretty good in college. I think Henderson, former five star recruit though. So yeah, and he just hasn't done much at the NFL level. I think Henderson's one of those guys that's going to pan out. I think he's he is one of those type of guys like a, a la Joe Hayden, where he's just such a good athlete, um, and, and he's very coachable. He's very he's got a high football IQ. He's always in, he's always always doing extra work when we come in for interviews after practice you know where he's the guy that we're having to wait on you know 15 minutes past when all the other interviews are done because he's still out there you know working extra uh i I think he's he's got the brightest upside for florida in this draft uh and i think we both agree on that so uh blake let me ask you this who is the second guy off the board for the florida gators i think just from a production standpoint when you look at how well of a you know that really big season he had in his one year at florida i think i'm going jonathan grenard you know jabari zuniga would not surprise me but i think with grenard just that twitchy edge, you know, having someone that can really get to the quarterback. A lot of those defenses in the NFL like those guys that, you know, can really have a nose for the quarterback. And I think when you just look at the tape and you see a guy like Todd Grantham who really has, you know, a lot of NFL ties um, and, you know, really runs that, you know, kind of prototypical NFL style defense to where they really want to get after it. So I think when you see Grenard and how he really shined in that defense, um, I-, I think that he's the one that really jumps out the most to me. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Um you know, it, him and Jabari Zuniga, it's it's a it's going to be a tricky balance, I think, uh, in terms of what wins out in terms of production or athleticism, um, because Grenard obviously was very productive, and I thought he actually turned in some better numbers in certain areas. Um, you know, his his shuttle drill was really really good, um, and so I think Grenard, you know, will be in good shape from that standpoint, um, and certainly from a production standpoint. But when you go to some of the other measurables, you know, the, the 4 6 four, 40 for Jabari Zaniga, uh, the insane broad jump, the really good vertical jump, and and the fact that he, what did he do, bench press 29 reps, I think, or 27, somewhere in that range. So, I mean, he's a guy that's just a physical freak. And I, I always go back to the first spring, uh, you know, when we talked to Nick Savage and we asked him who are some of the, you know, the physical genetic freaks on the team. Jabari Zaniga was, you know, hands down the first name that came out. Uh, and really, he only listed two or three guys, but he was just absolutely raving about what Zuniga was able to do from from a physical standpoint. So I, I don't know if Grenard or Zuniga goes first. I'm less sold on that. I kind of lean towards Zuniga a little bit. Um, but I think both of those guys have a lot of upside as prospects. You know, I think 
you know, I think Grenard probably is going to end up being a little bit more of a, you know, a scheme fit depending on, you know, where he plays, because I don't, I don't know that he has the ability to really play that kind of outside linebacker edge role. I think he's more of a guy that's, uh, you're going to have to maybe put some, a little bit of weight on and, and, and trust him against the run. Whereas I think Zuniga has the athleticism and that physical freak ability to really be that, you know, kind of Von Miller type edge rusher, you know, where he's not always necessarily putting a hand in the dirt, but you can move him around. And, uh, uh you know, I, I think, I think for me, those those are clearly the top three guys in the draft right now for Florida. No doubt. I mean, either way, how you want to cut it, Grenard or Zuniga. I mean, CJ, I, I think we're both in under in a total agreement here. First round. Um, then you go down. I, I think either one of those two would be my next one. And I think if I had to go past that and you know pick maybe the fourth guy out of the you know the bunch there or the guys there, I, I think it's probably Van Jefferson. I know it was unfortunate that he was, you know, had that injury and he had to have things kind of tweaked there and he wasn't able to, you know, work out in the combine. But I, I think when you look at his film and I've seen a lot of, you know, draft guys that, you know, cover things on Twitter and they really bring up that film of him in that LSU game where he really was just really surgical with his routes. You know, it, mm-hmm. it just really showed that he's going to have a really good career ahead of him and he's got the speed. He, you know, he, he just finds a way to get open. And I think that those routes, I hope he goes to Tampa Bay. I've actually read a mock draft that had him going in like, I think the fourth round or something to Ooh. Tampa Bay. So we can have that one to Tampa Tom, to Van Jefferson. I think that'd be a really good fit for there. But, I mean, either way, when you see him going against a guy like Derek Stingley, who I think is going to be a really elite cornerback in the SEC, I mean, he really had his way with him in that LSU game. So I think that that was the game that he really made himself a lot of money. And I think – Again, it's unfortunate he was hurt and he had to, you know, miss, you know, getting that in front of the NFL scouts. But I think when you have film like that and you see the production in the SEC against some of those big time defenses, I think that's going to be enough to keep him, at least my opinion, the fourth guy off the board for Florida. Yeah, I think you're right there. And, and you know, you talk about that LSU, that game, um, man, first off, such a fun game to watch. Uh, really just an offensive battle all the way through. The ability that he had to break down elite cornerbacks, because those are pretty good LSU cornerbacks. I mean, Derek Stingley is one of the best players in the country, um, and and Van Jefferson made him look silly at times. Christian Fulton, same thing, another you know talented draft prospect. Um, those are the kind of performances that put you on the radar, I think. And uh, like you said, you know, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, when Jefferson got to the combine, they found a fracture in his foot that needed needed to be fixed. So he had surgery on that and wasn't able to really do any of the workouts. Um, but I think he's a guy that, you know, given his, uh, well, first off, his dad's an NFL coach. So he's a, he's a very well-rounded player. Um, he's capable of contributing on special teams. He's a guy that I think, I think could slide into day two of the draft. Um, I think you mentioned, you know, fourth round. I I could see him going before that. Uh, Blake, I guess real quick, uh, do you have any, any kind of idea on where you'd expect, uh, Zuniga, Grenard or Jefferson to go in terms of, uh, where, where they come off the board in the draft? talking about round wise or team wise Mm -hmm. round wise i was about to say i have no idea team wise (laughs) i mean i think i think zaniga is probably a a day two uh second round guy i think grenard could be like a late second i mean looking at it and listening to what you said about zaniga i i think whenever you look at it i mean you're gonna have to really love grenard and i think that putting that to account i probably would look back and want to switch my pick around because i mean it's gonna have to be a team that really loves that scheme fit and really has the need and i think that zaniga gets you something a little bit more broad so I would say probably, obviously, I think CJ's a top 10 pick somewhere around there. I mean, I don't think he's going to fall much farther past that if, if somehow he does. I think Zaniga is probably a second-round guy. Grenard is probably a, like a late second, early third. And I, I think Van is more of a fourth-rounder guy, I think. 
Okay, I'm a little higher on on Van than you are. I, I think I don't think he goes past the third round. I think he's just too good. I think the Senior Bowl, like you know, like we were talking about, he was just so good in, there in front of actual scouts. Um, and I think partic- I think Van Jefferson is a guy that's particularly helped by the fact that a lot of pro days around the country got scrapped. You know, um, he in one sense, in one sense, in the other sense, he didn't get a chance to put down a better number than maybe people expected. But he, you know, he has had a chance to show a little bit more than other guys. Yeah, and you know, actually, while I kind of think about it, I mean, when I first had my initial thoughts, receiver, it's it's a deep class in the NFL draft. That's true, that's season. true, too. So that's why I thought maybe he could fall, but then I kind of circle back to a lot of these guys are going to be early picks. They're going to be first-round, second-round picks. So maybe if you start seeing some of these guys fly off the board, maybe a Van Jefferson guy moves up to the third round or something, or you know, at least goes up higher than that. But I think when you look at how deep it is, I mean, I could see it be a fourth-rounder, but I mean, depending on how the draft goes, you know, I mean, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, I mean, there's a lot of upper-tier guys that are more than likely going to be first-round guys, um, and even some guys that are deep enough to go second. So I think if if you see some fly off the board and you have a team that loves a guy with the production he's put together in van, I think he could move himself up. Yeah, no, I, I think absolutely. And that's one of the things I'm always fascinated by with the draft is like, it seems like in some years when there's a run on players, they start flying off the board. And then it seems like in other years, uh, you'll have a couple guys go and then nothing happens for a couple rounds. It's like all of a sudden, you know, needs have been met. And uh, it is very interesting in that regard. So it'll, it'll, it'll be even crazier this year now that it's all virtual. I'm, I'm, I'm really ex- excited. I don't know if excited is the right word, but just curious to see how that process unfolds. I mean, that's got to be, from a logistics standpoint, just kind of a nightmare for these NFL teams. Yeah, I'm not really sure how that's going to go. I think, what is it, that Roger Goodell is going to do his picks in his basement? Yeah, from his basement, which I'm sure will look, you know, <laughs> it's probably better than my entire condo. But uh, They need to find yeah. some way to boo him. That's like... I know, right? Should- do we... I, you can, I know you can like raise your hand on, on Zoom meetings. Can we like jump in there and like add a boo button or something? Yeah, that's um, what we need. We need these <laughs> questions answered. <laughs> right. All right, Blake. Well, uh, we have a pretty bigger, a bigger pool of guys that we think are potential late round selections, but may, may not go off the board. Uh, I'll go ahead and ask, well, not ask myself, but I, I think LaMichael Pirine's the, the fifth guy off the board. And I'm pretty confident that Pirine will actually get drafted. Um, I would say of the you know the six or seven guys we're talking about, P. Ryan, Swain, uh, Tyree Cleveland, Josh Hammond, Tommy Townsend, David Reese, I, I think out of that group of six players, I think P. Ryan's the only one that I would say 100% gets drafted. And I think the reason for that is the NFL has kind of moved more to you know the skill set that P. Ryan brings to the table, that all-around back that you can you can put him in in there as a running back, but you know how does the defense account for him? Because he's a very very good pass catcher. Um, he's athletic enough to to move outside and and be a receiver in that way, but he's also a really good pass blocker. So I, I think those kind of issues uh, that Pirine presents are attractive enough to NFL teams that he's worth a late round pick, despite the fact that running backs in general uh, typically don't carry a lot of value in the draft. Um, wh- where do you think he's going? I have him I kind of in the sixth. I think he's a fifth round, sixth round type of guy, and I think that would kind of depend on where running backs go. But I think. A team, you know, like you said, I mean, I completely agree that NFL has become a really pass heavy just type of league to where, you know, you need to be able to catch the ball as a running back. And obviously in any sport of football, college, whatever, high school, if you can block, you know, you may not be the greatest runner in the world, but if you can understand the pass blocking concepts, that's what gets guys on the field. That's what gets guys drafted. That's what makes guys appealing there. So whereas I don't know that he's going to be this, you know, illustrious running back that's going to have this really decorated career, you know, rush for all these yards. I mean, he could, who knows? I think the fact that he can catch the ball is going to be the biggest value for him. Um, and obviously pass blocking. I think he's a fifth round, sixth round type of guy. Um, 
and then past that, you know, I, I think to even go ahead, I mean, the only other guy that I could really see drafted out of the group, you know, maybe Tom, Tommy Townsend is a late seventh round pick or something like that. I mean, I don't, I don't know how I have no idea how punters work in the NFL. I mean, that seems like someone you could <laughs> easily sign to like a, you know, undrafted free agent. But I think Freddie Swain is the one that I think finds a way to get himself drafted there. I think that the speed he put together just through the through the combine, um, I, I think he was a really trusty weapon for Kyle Trask this past season. And I think the fact that he was he just seems to be that, you know, safety blanket slot receiver type of guy that has some wheels on him, runs really great routes, he can catch the ball. I, I think that he's going to find himself drafted. I don't know that I would totally bet my life on it, but I think that he's one that I think if I had to pick out of the rest of the bunch, I think he's the one that I, I would probably pick that would be drafted. Yeah, I'm with you on Swain. I think his his ability to contribute on special teams, which I know that's something we're saying about a lot of Florida receivers here, uh, and I think it illustrates the focus and the attention that Dan Mullins put on special teams, but to me, Freddie Swain's a guy, you know, he can return punts if you need him to, at least as a sure-handed guy. Uh, maybe he wasn't super explosive during his Florida career. Uh, but I think he can play as a, you know, a gunner as well on punts. Um, and like you said, he's just so reliable. He's another one of those guys that you turn on the film and he, he just catches everything thrown his way. He runs really good routes underneath. And, um, you know, he, he's not a guy that has elite top-end speed necessarily, but I think he showed at the combine that it was pretty good. I mean, what, he right. ran like he can a get there. four, four, six or something. I wouldn't so. say he's not, he's not quick, but he can, he can get, he's there. explosive. He's I think. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's very, he's, he's almost got deceptive speed. Like, uh, you know, he's, um, he gets going before you realize he's really going and then in he's going, I mean, he's moving. Um, yeah. And then back to the, you know, the punter thing, you know, Tommy Townsend certainly could get drafted. I mean, uh, I know he's not a kicker, you know, he'd have better luck getting drafted by the bucks, you know, somewhere up in that third round, if he could kick second as well. round, man. <laughs> I'm ragging on Blake because I'm a I'm a Saints fan and uh, I'm a little nervous now that Tom Brady's in Tampa. But uh, yeah, um, anybody else, Blake, that we're that we're looking at here that you think for like you feel strongly comes off the board? You know, not really. I mean, I could kind of make the same argument for Josh Hammond. I think he's another guy who is really reliable. Um, another guy who's not probably got this high end top speed, but I mean, he's not slow by any means. I I mean, if you need a sure handed receiver, I think that you know. Even looking up the numbers of him, you know, very few catches, you know, throughout the season. I think I, I don't remember how long he went throughout the season with like, like having zero drops, or it was it was a pretty insane stat. Like the mm-hmm. consecutive games where he had you know no drops. So I mean, sure-handed, yes, but I don't know that he's just really have this big flashy career. Um, you know, obviously big plays have been made, you know, by him, but I don't know that he's really got this big body of work. So I don't know that if anyone else really jumps out to me, I mean, maybe Tyree Cleveland just with his speed and size, I mean, he's interesting to where you really didn't see him have this big time career while he made some plays here and there for Florida. I think he could be a guy that has his better career ahead of him, you know, really kind of figuring things out because I mean, he was still pretty raw as he progressed through his career at Florida. And I think he started to kind of figure things out near the end there. And obviously being a gunner right there on special teams, I mean, he can find a way there. I just don't don't know that anyone else really jumped out to me past you know these one two three four five six guys yeah no i'm with you you got like like we said i mean there's a pool of this these five or six guys you know david reese we haven't talked about um that all you know they, they bring something to the table but they don't necessarily jump off the page in terms of the size or the speed uh the athleticism uh or even the production you know some combination of those that that would get you definitely drafted um so it'll be interesting to see though man like the you know I will say that Dan Mullen typically gets a lot of credit for his ability to develop players over the years. And Mississippi State's had a lot of guys drafted in those later rounds um, that you may see coaches just trust, you know, that Dan Mullen's developed pretty good players that can step in and kind of contribute right away. So 
it'll be interesting. I, I, I think at least five guys get drafted. I'm not sure if any more go than that, which, you know, it's a pretty good year for Florida. It's not elite. Um, you'd like to see a couple more in that real top end range, you know, where you're getting three, two, three first round type players. And I think eventually Florida will get there. Um, but, you know, just having just having this many guys in the discussion is good because there's been times in the last decade uh, where you look at it and you're like, oh, man, like who, who's who's going to get drafted? You have like one first rounder and then there's just a whole bunch of nothing. Uh, so I think the talent level is getting better at Florida and it will definitely be fun to watch this NFL draft, I think, you know. For reasons other than just Florida guys, I mean, man, I'm I'm itching for some sports. Uh, it'll give us some good content to write about and, and talk about, you know, next week on the podcast. So, uh, Blake, let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I want to talk about the hoops news this week. Keontae Johnson is also joining Scotty Lewis and returning for the following season. So, guys, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back talking a little Florida hoops. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits. Turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24 7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp. Joined by Blake Alderman. We are your staff writers for Swamp 24-7. Um, Blake, I wanted to talk a little bit of basketball. I know we talked last week after Scotty Lewis announced his return to school. We really kind of felt that Lewis was probably the only guy that was looking to jump ship, um, you know, just in terms of professional opportunities. His athleticism, you know, obviously gave him a chance to enter that NBA draft conversation. But he opted to return. And, and our initial takeaway on that, I think, um, you know, was that that's an encouraging sign for Florida basketball because it, it gives you a pretty clear indication that Mike White has clearly not lost his team. He hasn't lost his players and guys are buying in. Now, this week, Keontae Johnson announces he's coming back. Blake, what is this this return for Johnson, who was Florida's le- leading scorer and uh, I believe second leading rebounder, mean for the program going forward? It's big. I mean, that's that's in, a, in essence getting one of your better players, if not your best player from last season to come back. And again, I think it even shows even more that these guys are buying in. I don't know that Johnson was someone that really jumped out as someone who's going to be drafted in the NBA draft. I don't know that he put together that body of work to quite go there. So I think in some sense it does make you know a lot of sense for him to come back, you know, get that next year there and kind of figure things out and have some of these other pieces, you know, Scotty Lewis, um, and you know, to be determined what else comes back for Florida, you know, from from the core last year. So I mean, it's big. I mean, he also led the team in steals, I believe, as well. So I mean, you're getting a guy who you know was one of your top guys as far as stats. If not, you know, he wasn't leading this; he was second in this. So I think that that 
is encouraging for the fact that Mike White does have these pieces coming back a and that these guys do believe that he can get them you know to where they want to be yeah well we talked about just in terms of how the the style for Florida basketball might be a little different next year you know with Kerry Blackshear leaving and maybe you run a little bit more up tempo uh, I think you can absolutely do that now that you know Johnson's coming back you know we we were talking about the production in the front court and where some of the, you know, the numbers are going to come from with with Blackshear leaving in terms of what he provided in in low post scoring and rebounding. Um, I think you have Johnson back. We talked a little bit about Anthony Deruji, the Louisiana Tech transfer. He's a guy that can jump out of the gym, and they're really excited about. I think you play some lineups with Deruji and and Keontae Johnson running the floor together if you can get them on the floor at the same time. I, I don't know that Mike White will do that, but we'll we'll have to see. Um, that's two really, really athletic guys that can jump out of the gym. And so all of a sudden, I think, you know, you become a team that can really kind of attack aggressively downhill in the paint, which is not really what we saw last year with Blackshear. Last year was more uh, kind of back to the basket looking for, you know, cuts and stuff like that for for Blackshear. Um, I think Florida will be a little more direct into the rim, you know, with Keontae Johnson back. And um, I think it will help provide a little bit more balance maybe for Florida you know, you, you, you have a lot of shooters. We talked about Sanson Riznetsev uh, coming in, the you know, the really, really talented freshman, one of the best shooters in his class. And then you got Noah Locke back, uh, you know, Scotty Lewis, that's an area he's got to work. But you've got, you've got some real perimeter shooting there. And, and, you know, even Johnson had a pretty good stroke going at times. So um, I think you add that little extra bit to the front court again for next season, and, and that makes the outlook, uh, for me, significantly brighter. Uh, Blake, let's talk a little bit about kind of, where our expectations are for Florida going into the next season now that because even if Nemhard doesn't return, I think you've got enough coming back with Trey Mann, uh, with Quez Glover to, to really have a pretty good idea what Florida will be at this point. Um, there's there's kind of been a divergence of, of opinions on where Florida should be ranked in the preseason. And uh, I wrote a piece on that actually on Swamp 24-7 last week. Um, essentially, you know, up to this point, Mike White has gotten a ton of credit uh, from the national college basketball pundits, the analysts, they really, really like him as a coach. Uh, he's very well regarded. Uh, and so Florida is typically, you've seen that reflected in the preseason rankings. I mean, Florida went into the year ranked uh, preseason number six, despite the fact that they really, all, they returned three sophomores who were core guys, but they're still second year players uh, and added Kerry Blackshear. And you knew that there was going to be some, you know, trying to figure out how that all works. Uh, but the analysts ended up much higher on Florida than Florida actually panned out. This year, it's a little different. Um, from what we've seen, I've seen Florida ranked anywhere from number five preseason uh, with Scotty Lewis coming back, in, and that's like an analytical-based model. And then I've seen uh, Jerry Palm of CBSSports.com has Florida as low as a number eight seed in his bracketology for next year. Uh, Blake, where are you at in that range in terms of what you're kind of expecting from the Gators? You know, I, I think I'd be closer to like the eight range somewhere in there. I think I'd be a little bit more bullish right now. And I think that's just the fact that Florida had so much early hype this past season. Um, and I, I think, you know, the fact that they just haven't really shown a really big identity, obviously getting some of these key pieces back is great for Florida. And, and, and I think that they have a real shot to figure things out. But I think there's just been so much unknown of, you know, what is your style going to be? There just seems to be a little bit of a lapse of, you know, Mike White has done a great job recruiting some of these big time guys, but you just don't see those guys take that next step. And, and I just and it seems like, you know, you've been kind of waiting for it. Um, obviously early on he had some really deep runs in the NCAA tournament and that's not to say that Florida can't figure things out because I do think Mike White does have this Florida team play better in the postseason compared to you know these lulls and these games in the you know regular season where you're like how do they lose to these guys so I think for me it's wait and see man I think I just have to see 
uh, you know, again, I don't know that Andrew Nimhard really changes my opinion because I think at times he didn't really seem to fit. And I think, you know, some of these other guys and these core guys that are bringing back, I think Florida's going to have enough pieces to where they can, they can, they can do a lot of big things. But my thing is just, it's just Mike White. I just don't know that I have the confidence in him to really see Florida take that next step. Would you have Florida ranked in the top 25 to start the season? If I did, I think they'd be like 23, you know, somewhere near the end. But I don't know that I really would, honestly. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I, I think I would have him in uh, because I think I think you got enough coming back. I mean, it, it, if Nemhard's back, you've, you've at least got the ability to lean on his production. I mean, his production's pretty good. Sure. Uh, style, stylistically, obviously, you know, we've talked about that, you know, almost to death that, you know, the offense this year was geared around kind of moving slow, and that's typically not been what, you know, Mike White offenses are supposed to be, uh, especially when you have guys like Keontae Johnson and, and Scotty Lewis who are athletic enough to really get out there and run. Uh, it was just, it just never, like you said, it never felt like they really found the correct identity. Um, but I think just from a production standpoint, you have so much coming back. You add, you add, um, you know, we haven't even talked about Tyree Appleby, the Cleveland state transfer who averaged like 17.8 points per game. And he was a five, six assist guy at Cleveland state. Um, so I, you've got, you've got some significant pieces that you're adding to, finally what seems like a little bit of consistency i mean really the only time that mike white has had any sort of consistency in terms of roster uh would be you know the year after the elite eight where chris chioza was back and they had some of those pieces back uh but for the most part the last really two seasons three seasons there's been so much off-season turnover i mean uh florida had what seven guys different from the previous year, like transfer out or, you know, switch over. Uh, so there's been a lot of instability. And I think when you add core pieces like this, you know, you have the core starters coming back, uh, you know, a Scotty Lewis, a Keontae Johnson, potentially an Andrew Nemhard, Noah Locke. Um, you've got enough guys that have been through it and kind of know what it takes in terms of working in practice uh, to, to get those younger guys coming in, you know, help them along a little bit faster, help a Riznetsev, uh, maybe find his stroke a little bit earlier where you can ease those guys in and you're not all of a sudden starting uh, three freshmen like Florida had two years ago. You know, you're not starting three sophomores who are still trying to figure it out. Um, Florida going into next year, to, to in my mind, should have it a little bit more figured out. And if they don't and they come out and they do underwhelm again, I, I think it's going to be time to seriously reevaluate where the program's headed. But from my standpoint, I, I, I'm a little more high on Florida, I think, than than I thought I would be, I guess. Um, you know, going into the offseason, I thought they were going to lose Lewis, and, and that would have left me with some question marks, regardless of what uh, Johnson or Nemhard did. I think I think it, it surprised me a little bit when Lewis returned because I think it says I think it says something about Mike White. And maybe that something is not that, you know, he's the answer for Florida long-term, but it shows me that at least uh, this group that he has is willing to work together with him, you know, that they've got that goal out there. Um, you know, having their their championship season postponed, you know, the, the ability to play in it, play for a championship postponed or canceled. They, these guys are going to come back and they're going to be ready to work. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, certainly good news on the basketball front for Florida over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you seem to kind of give me a little bit of glimmer of hope here. I was a little bit more bullish on them now. But I, I mean, I can see the the talk. Uh, there are some key pieces there. I'm just waiting to see. If, I, I guess I'm just more waiting for results. No, I think I think we're all in that boat right now. And I think, you know, if you pulled most Florida fans, that's probably where they're at. You know, uh, the Mike White discussion, I guess, has has strong sides on uh, strong opinions on both sides for sure. 
Um, but I think you talk to the broader segment of fans, they just want to see it. You know, they see preseason number six. You know, they they are used to Florida making deep runs in March. You know, the Elite Eight thing, you know, that's happened, what, four times over the last uh, five times, I think, over the last decade or so. So, you know, those are the type of runs that, you know, right or wrong, Florida fans have come to expect now. And, you know, Mike White obviously walked into a tough situation following up Billy Donovan. Uh, but if you want to last long term at Florida, eventually uh, the expectations are to compete for an SEC title at least, you know, every once every couple of years and and make deep runs into the postseason. And I think this Florida team, based on what we know coming back, has a chance to do that. I think it will come down to coaching. And like you said, Blake, this is going to be a, a wait and see year for all of us. And uh you know, we'll find out where we go from there. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for our show today. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will be back next week. We haven't exactly figured out the timing. We might shoot before the uh, the NFL Combine, uh, or if we don't do that, we may delay the show until Saturday. Uh, we'll give you guys an update uh, on the Swamp 24-7 message boards. Uh, that way we can kind of give you instant NFL draft analysis. Um, but, yeah, we, we might end up shooting an episode Wednesday and then another episode either Saturday evening after the draft. Or on Sunday. Um, but that'll do it for us today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, again, uh, we just want to reiterate we have a, a 60% off VIP membership deal going on right now at swamp247.com. So if you are, I understand everybody you know, is in different situations right now financially. Uh, but if you are in a place where you can do it and you feel like supporting us, you like the show, you like the site, uh, check it out. That deal runs till the end of the day. Um, so probably only the first couple people here in the podcast today will, will have access to that. Uh, but I just wanted to make you guys aware uh, before that deal expires. That'll do it for us today, guys. Thanks for tuning in.